I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Bill S. Ballinger's sound portrait of an unlikely hero. The Air Hunters. Starring Ken Berry. Joanne Worley. And Edgar Bergen. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by State Farm Insurance, Holiday Inns, and the makers of V8 Juice. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. Quinn first left New York for California for his health. He hadn't any. But once out west, he found other reasons to stay. One, Beth Temple. Girl owed a dean. Two, his discovery of a hidden fortune salted away, waiting to be claimed. And three, the search to find Helen Martin, the rightful heir to the money. If it were only as simple as one, two, three for Dean Quinn, he's found the source of the money to have been smuggled drugs. He alone knows the location of a gun stolen from Yafi Kush, a well-known underworld figure. And he made a deal to sell an insurance policy to a wealthy, beautiful foreign woman named Lorenzia Monte. They were to meet at her desert retreat in Palm Springs. What Dean Quinn didn't plan on was the fact that when he got there, she'd be dead. Nor did he expect someone would knock him unconscious and throw him in the swimming pool to drown. Whatever happened to Helen Martin... What's going to happen to Dean Quinn? The conclusion of the Air Hunters follows after this word. There was a time when the rivers, the earth, and the sky of America were pure. A time when the only American was the Indian. Today, America is suffering from pollution, but the problem isn't hopeless. We can protect the natural beauty of America if you get involved. Something as simple as using the fuel rated most efficient for the engine of your car, or planting trees to help purify the air and prevent soil erosion, or starting a compost heap instead of burning leaves or trash. People start pollution. People can stop it. This message has been brought to you on behalf of Keep America Beautiful and this station. Zia. Zia, honey. Speak to me. Oh, what am I doing? She's dead. I gotta get out of here. 
Somebody tried to kill me. Why me? Why try to murder good old Dean Quinn? Oh, boy, oh. If the cops find me here with a place looking like this and, and Zia deep-sixed in the pool, it'll look like... like I did it. They'd say I killed her. Why, of course. That's the frame. I'm supposed to have robbed her, killed her, and then fallen in and drowned. Why me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Am I leaving anything behind? What did I bring with me? Uh, papers, insurance... Yeah, yeah, I got him. A little wet, but... Boy, I'll catch pneumonia for sure. There must be a rag or something in the car I can dry my hair with. Oh, no. Yuffie Kush's gun. I gotta get rid of it. There. That takes care of that. I gotta get out of here. On the highway, heading back to L.A., I was swerving from side to side. I could barely see the road. But somehow I made it back to the El Cairo. I must have because I came to, stretched out on the overstuffed sofa, covered with warm blankets and supporting an ice bag on my aching skull. Beth was watching me anxiously. She tried to smile, but wasn't very successful. Dean? Oh, girl, what time is it? Not quite three. In the morning. How did I get here? Where's your car? Lie back. Now, I thought you'd had an accident. The car's fine. I've got to hide it. Hide it? What, what for? What happened? Did you run someone over with the car? Deanie, what happened to your head? You look awful. Thanks. I thought I'd change my hairstyle. Widen the part. Stella, did you see Yaffe Kush at the club tonight? Was he around? No. Did he beat you up? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Dean, tell me what happened with the car. I'll tell you after I move it. No, you stay put. You're in no condition to drive. I'll move it. Where do you want it? Well, uh, see if there's a space in the bushes. Well, that's dumb. Go on, move it. Do as he says, Stella, dear. Well, all right. Did the uh, killers take the money? I don't know. I, I really don't. I was too scared to even think about it. I didn't even look in her car. Are you going to the police? I guess. Tell him what I know. Oh, but first I ought to see Walden. They might go looking for him. Where will you find him at this time of night? Yeah. I guess I'll wait till morning. You got any aspirin? Walden was pretty upset when I told him. Upset, angry, evasive, and frightened. I wash my hands of the whole thing, understand? But, uh, Dean, uh, try to make it as easy on me in the office, uh, will you? I won't promise. It's my neck. Now, if the police think I'm broke, a uh, bum, they'll give me a hard time. But if you back me up and say that I work for you legitimately, well, I'll be careful what I say. I'll do it. I'll do it. Outside Walden's office was one of those little coin boxes that sell newspapers. The late morning edition carried the headline. Foreign beauty slain in pool. Not much about Zia. The medical examiner hadn't determined as yet if she died by strangulation or drowning, but he set the time of death at approximately 8 p.m. There were signs of a fight, and an unidentified gun had been found outside the house. Nothing stolen from the house, and nothing about finding 250 grand in the car. 
I decided to go back to Beth's and have a drink. Uh, uh, hold it. He just walked in. Dean, you're wanted on the phone. Oh, great timing. Hello. This is Quinn. Uh, who is this? Ain't important to know, but what I got to say is, you listening? Well, I'm listening. You've been lucky, but don't push it too far. Oh, who, me? I just blew into town. Oh, I know. I've been reading the papers. I see where maybe you ain't talked to anyone yet, which is a uh, very smart thing to do, not to talk to anybody about your uh, swimming partner. But the cops will be looking for me. My fingerprints are all over the place. I don't want to have to do nothing drastic if I can help it. Too much of a coincidence, you know? Yes, I know. So here's what you do. You tell the cops you arrived at the house at four in the afternoon. You were there just long enough to get her to sign a floater insurance policy. They already found an airplane ticket in her purse for Hawaii and points was good for next week. She needed a policy to protect her stuff on the trip. A guy named Herman Spender drove you down. I don't know any Herman Spender. You do now. Besides, another guy driving an ace laundry truck saw you. You're out of the jam, Queen. There's no sweat. Maybe I ought to just leave town. I don't like it here much anyway. Oh, you're stupid. You're stupid, Quinn. If the cops don't find you, I do. And you wouldn't want anything to happen to that big, gorgeous redhead, would you? You wouldn't. <laughs> number one, we're the largest company, and uh, you don't get to be the largest company unless you're doing a little extra for people. Agent Bill Rich of Logan, Utah, explains why State Farm Mutual is the world's largest car insurer. This is what the consumer feels, and you know that if a consumer feels State Farm is number one, it's got to be on two things, service and price. And if you're not uh, competitive in both of these areas and do the job, uh, the customer is not going to rate them where they have. We're number one. We only got there because we were most competitive or as competitive as anyone and because we're there to serve. Service and price. That's what car insurance value is all about. And there are two good reasons to see your nearby State Farm agent now. Like a good neighbor. I had a strong hunch the phone call was from Yaffe Kush. He could have gotten Beth's number when he came by and set the fire. <laughs> Some boy scout he'd make. Well, if it was Kush, he could rip off Beth and me whenever he wanted. We were sitting ducks. Unless there was some way I could convince him that he needed us around. After some of her usual hemming and hawing, Stella gave me Cush's home address, an apartment on Wilshire. A houseboy let me into the Wilshire apartment. A very plush pad indeed. Yaffe Cush and two men were playing gin. Well, look who's here. Mark Spitz. Mr. Cush, sir, did you phone me this morning? Me? Phone you? I think you should know that I've written out a complete report. Everything I know about Zia Monty's murder. A person you don't know will turn it over to the sheriff if anything happens to me or Beth Temple. <laughs> Why are you telling me? It's none of my business. Hey, you know, I got a hunch, though. 
You keep your nose clean, nothing's going to happen to you or your girlfriend. Say, do you play bridge? Oh, sometimes I'm not very good. Hey, you guys, we got a fourth for bridge. Uh, Quinn, meet Herman Spender. He's the one with the uh, with the red face. The other one is Frankie Amador. He owns Ace Laundry Company. Uh, sit down. I'd really like to stay, but I shouldn't be here after 8 o'clock. Someone who knows where I am might start wondering. Are you bluffing? Yeah, maybe not. All right, Quinn. Beat it. I don't want to see your mug in here again. Dean, the news is on TV. Okay, coming. This is Ken Jones with the Late Night News. With us is Riverside County Sheriff Richard Durham, who will give us the latest developments concerning the murder of Florenzio Monte in Palm Springs. Sheriff, has the gun found at the scene of the murder been identified yet? Uh, not yet, Ken. But we've had several other important news breaks. We located a safety deposit box in Palm Springs under Miss Monty's name and got a court order to open it. Inside it, we found three United States passports in the names of Ramona Ronda, Constance Niles, and Helen Martin. Helen Martin? I knew it. But none for Florencia Monte? Uh, no. Uh, we have determined that two of them were forgeries. The Helen Martin passport is authentic. Is it your theory, Sheriff, that Florencia was using these other names as an alias? You better believe she was. Well, we can't prove it yet. Uh, however, we also found two paid-up annuities, each for $250,000. One is made out to Helen Martin, the other to Ramona Randa. And none for Constance Niles? I've got that one, and you're not getting it. Uh, no. Please, Dean, I can't hear. We haven't found an annuity for Constance Niles yet. Uh, but we want to know more about Miss Monty. She was in this country on an Italian passport, supposedly on business. We intend to find out more about both her personal and business affairs. Sheriff, you mentioned another development just before we went on. Yes. Miss Monty also maintained a house in Los Angeles. All the phones in the house were bugged. That does it. It does what? Zia Monty was Helen Martin. Helen's was the only authentic passport in the bunch. If Zia had been able to buy that annuity for Constance Niles from me, she'd have had an income of about 30000 a year for life, including the annuities made out to Helen Martin and Ramona Ronda. But where did Zia, or Helen, get the bread to live like she did and, and still stash away three-quarters of a million dollars to buy the annuities? Dean, do you think there might be a bug on my phone? No, don't be silly. Who'd bug your phone? That man who called and threatened you. The next afternoon, the phone company sent a man out to check Best's phone. No taps, of course. It was clean. I watched the repairman dial the automatic ringback number to show the line was working again. Then, that night, I went to work, but Kilroy didn't show up at the club. The manager said Kilroy had quit that day and wasn't coming back. I started jockeying the cars by myself, but as the evening wore on and Stella didn't appear, I began to worry. Finally, I parked a car by a fire plug, jumped in a taxi, and went back to El Cairo. I looked around, trying to spot Yaffe's car on the street. I didn't see it. Best bungalow was dark, except for one lamp in the living room. I made like a scout and peeped through the window. Beth and Stella were seated in front of the television set. I heaved a sigh of relief and went in. I knocked off early. Well, say something. I'll say it for them, Quinn. Welcome home. 
The guy with the red face had to be the ugliest guy of all time, but I wasn't about to inform him of that fact. Yaffe Kush was no beauty himself, but at least you wouldn't expect to see him swinging through trees on a vine. Good to see you, Quinn. It's good to see you too, Mr. Kush. <laughs> well, it looks like you've got your four for bridge. I guess I'll be moving along. Spender. Oh, wow. Darling, you're hurt. Let me help you up. That's all right. I needed some dental work anyway. Oh, Quinn, Quinn, that wasn't smart to plant my rod for the fuss to find. It was clean, never used on a job. I even had a permit for it. Gun? The one I keep in the glove compartment of my car. You and that other grease jockey were the only ones who could get to it. I, uh, I seen him this afternoon. He sang a whole opera. Why did you try to frame me for that Monty Broad? Who, me? It was a mistake, Queen, a big mistake. Spender? You and that Monty Floozy, both a couple of double-crossing thieves. You had it coming. Right, Spender? Stop that! Let me go! Oh, relax, lady. Why are you looking at your watch, Queen? You ain't going no place ever again. Well, in that case, I better call Sheriff Durham and tell him not to bother to call me at midnight like I told him to. Hey, put that phone down. Spencer! Stop at this instant! Lady, you gotta learn to relax. Hang up the phone, Spender. Quinn. Oh, Quinn, I'm afraid that was your last mistake. Sheriff, Yappy Kush is here. Got a gun. Oh, forget it, Spender. It's sour. The sheriff knows we're here. Let's get out of here. Well, it's not funny. Durham never called. I, I, I dialed a four-number code. When I hung up, the phone automatically rings back. See? <laughs> I saw the repairman do it this morning. <laughs> as soon as I was in condition to get up off the floor, which was early morning, I lost no time getting down to Palm Springs to see Sheriff Durham. I told him all I knew, really leveled. 
Well, we just got confirmation on your alibi from the gas station attendant in Indio. And uh, don't forget, I drove out to the club to get Fish's gun, which took me about another half hour. It was nearly 9.30 when I got to Zia's place. Mm -hmm. What you've told me, Quinn, should clear you, and it fits in with what we've already pieced together. Helen Martin, a.k.a. Zia Monte. She was a courier for the mile. Really? A sweet little girl, I mean, girl like that? Right. She met those syndicate characters in Europe when she was going to school there. They set her up as a front to invest black money. Uh, illegal funds. Found her papers in Rome as Florenzia Monte to represent their investment coming over here, all supposedly legit, so the government couldn't trace the money where it came from. They bugged her phones because they didn't trust her? They don't trust anyone. Florenzia Monte got the idea to uh, do some skimming, disappear with her own annuities. When the big bosses found out, Gaffey Kush got his orders to stop her, and he did. But don't worry about him. That's been taken care of. Boy, oh, that's the best news I've heard in a long time. On my way back from Palm Springs, I stopped in at Walden's office to let him know everything worked out, and he was off the hook. So you see, Mr. Walden, Florenzia Monti was Helen Martin. She blew the whole thing because she was the missing heiress all along. She just got hung up in her own greed. Uh, Mr. Walden... Are you listening? Jack of diamonds, ten of clubs, jack of clubs. Do you see this, Quinn? Do you see? I've done it. Well, congratulations. I win, I win. And I owe it all to you. Look what deck I used. <laughs> Get a load of that queen of spades. <laughs> Is this letter for me? Oh, yes, I forgot about that. It's been sitting here for a few days. Well, keep plugging away, Mr. Walden. If I had the time, I'd stay and teach you how to play cribbage. Mm. Goodbye. When I got back to El Cairo Court, the girls were waiting for me. Beth nearly fractured my bruised ribs hugging me. And then I told them what Sheriff Durham had already figured out. But what about Yaffe Kush? Will he talk? You know, confess? Well, Durham thinks so. Because Yaffe did find the 250 grand in the trunk of the car and held out. Didn't tell his bosses. That's why he didn't want me to talk. Let the news out. He figures he's got a better chance to survive with Sheriff Durham than he does with the mob. He seemed like such a nice guy. In such a gorgeous car. Well, I suppose you'll be going back to New York. Yeah, me too. I'm tired of selling cigarettes. I'm going to be a social worker. Oh, and wreck what's left of the Big Apple? Well, Stella, you can have it. I don't really want to be a lawyer anyway. What will you do? Oh, I don't know, girl. Oh, I thought maybe I'd go into apartment management. Oh, Dean, how romantic. Oh, we can scratch out a living some way. Beth, you're the only girl, oh, for me. Ow, you're hurting me. What's this? This envelope in your pocket. It, it was sticking me. Uh, this? Oh, I completely forgot about yeah, it's postmarked uh, Morro Bay. Stats of birth certificates. Beth, get that old photograph. Edgar Ryan and the two guys with him. Oh, you mean the one with Ed Hack and Tony on the back? Right. Um, it's right here. Well, what did you say your mother's maiden name was? Tully, Josephine Tully. Why? Girl, oh, you have just answered the $100,000 question. Do you know who this Tony is? 
The one with Edgar and Henry Ryan? No, who? He's Anthony Tully, your grandfather. Half-brother to Edgar Ryan. That makes you Edgar Ryan's half-grandniece. <laughs> His only surviving heir. <laughs> oh, you're worth a fortune. And just when I was going to make you a poor but honest woman. Oh, girl oh. Oh, boy oh. Ow. Be careful. Hey, anyone here know where I can borrow the money for bus fare to New York? You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. That concludes this week's production of The Zero Hour. Bill S. Ballinger's The Air Hunters. Next week, we'll begin another exciting dramatization of a tale of mystery and suspense. We'll tell our story in five days, at the same time Monday through Friday. So on Monday, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour. Today's episode brought to you in part by State Farm Insurance, Holiday Inns, and VHUs. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. You have been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater, heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in Monday and once again, rest your eyes and listen here to the Zero Hour. This is the Mutual Radio Network.